All right, as we go to our time in the message, I want to start by talking about Jesus. I know there may be uh, people watching this video uh, that you haven't had a chance to um, get a glimpse of who Jesus is and why it matters. Um, and, you know, I, I, I uh, have from probably half of my working life carpooled with people. And I remember one day when one of my uh, carpool buddies turned to me and said, okay, so after 2,000 years, what's the big deal with Jesus? So I want to talk about that just a little bit. You find stories where you see Jesus saying, your sins are forgiven. You know, and, and today I want to talk about what, what does that mean and what difference does it make? Um, and you may be hearing this um, for the first time, and we want to be helpful to you. Um, and to that end, if you reach out to us, we will be glad to send to you uh, free of charge um, a Bible so you can get a chance uh, to have your own hard copy of that. Of course, on smartphones, there is a Bible app, just the one with the word Bible. It's uh, called Version. Uh, I definitely recommend that. It's free. Uh, but we'd also like to volunteer to send to you the Purple Book, which is a really simple uh, short lessons where you have questions and then a scripture reference and you write down a single word or a short phrase and answer to each question. And then at each end of that lesson, which probably takes you 15 minutes, you get a couple of open-ended questions there to help you reflect on what you've learned. And what this does is it helps you walk through the basics of who is Jesus and why does it matter? And what does this forgiveness mean from God? It really helps answer some simple questions, some important questions, some deep questions. And it even goes all the way through, you know, what do we believe about God, the Holy Spirit? What do we believe? Why do church? What is a church? What's the purpose of a church anyway? And, you know, this is an important time for us to understand that. So for us at City Harbor Church, we just ask that everybody go through this. And what we like to do is go through it in groups or in uh, two or three people at a time. So reach out to us. We'll be happy to send one to you or they are available in Kindle and other e-readers for a dollar. Uh, so we'd be glad to send one to you. The reason that I mention that is because it helps us with some really basic concepts. What we see, you'll see on the screen here from Romans 3, for everyone is sin. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God, with undeserved kindness, declares that we are righteous. Righteous means in right standing as though no mistake was made between us and God and us and other people. So we've all made mistakes. <clears throat> None of us measures up to God's standard. But God, even though we didn't deserve it, makes us righteous, puts us in right standing. He did this through Jesus Christ when he freed us from the penalty for our sins. God presented Jesus as a sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. John wrote about it like this, how we respond to him. Well, John actually recorded conversation between Jesus and Nicodemus, where Jesus said, for God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. And then John's 
understanding of this, he reveals 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all wickedness. So this is what it means that we can be forgiven. We can be made clean. We don't have to walk around carrying the mistakes of the past. We can receive forgiveness for all of that. Be clean. Be given a new spiritual life. That's what Jesus is referring to, talking about being born again in John 3. We can receive that. And what that means is that going forward in the future, heaven is our home. There'll be no more crying, no more suffering, no more disease, no more pain. And we will be with God, the only true source of love, hope, peace, and joy forever. It's amazing. So I want to lead us in prayer. Uh, If you have never accepted Jesus as your Savior, uh, or maybe you've done so and walked away and you need to rededicate your life to the Lord, we want to pray together at the same time. I know that while you're watching this video, there are a bunch of other people watching it too. We're going to agree in prayer for you. And again, remember, we're offering to send you a Bible and a purple book. So what we're going to do is pray a really simple prayer that does what we were instructed to do and how we follow Jesus here. And then we're going to help you with that journey. So if that's you, just repeat this simple prayer after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe that you died for me. I confess my sins. Jesus, forgive me. I turn away from the past And I turn to you. Come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Amen. God, I just pray for everyone right now who prayed that prayer today. Lord, I'm asking that you would visit them with supernatural peace and joy. Lord, we just welcome them into the spiritual family. We know that in heaven there is a party going on for this joyous occasion today. Lord, give them strength and companionship and support in this journey from us, from others, and from your Holy Spirit, we ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Isn't that exciting? Hey, we are happy for you. We want to help you. We want to help you identify any questions you have, help you pursue the answers to those questions, and help you to grow in next steps in following Jesus. So today, we're going to have this as a foundation for our message. God values forgiveness. God values forgiveness. We see Jesus making this statement, your sins are forgiven. I put references on the screen there so that you can look up these stories where Jesus is saying this, your sins are forgiven. And this is the same word that Jesus uses in his prayer, his sample prayer, when his followers asked him to teach them how to pray. He said, pray like this. And he gives them what is a power tool, a a template, if you will, of how to pray. And in that, you you see that he instructs us to ask God to forgive us of our sins. But what he says is in the prayer, Father, forgive us as we forgive those who've done wrong against us. So for Jesus, our receiving forgiveness from God is also directly linked to our essential 
forgiving other people. And that's difficult. So I want to unpack it today. What I'm going to do is synthesize a lot of different study from the Bible and what it says, what God has already said about forgiveness, because I think a lot of people don't really understand what it is and don't understand what it is not. And I'm going to give you a little bit of content today. I'll note it where it is. Also from this book, Unpacking Forgiveness. Uh, This is a good book from Chris Bronze. Um, I don't agree with 100% of everything that he puts in there, but it is a great Jesus followers perspective on it. So let's just unpack some of the basics. The word sin means missing the mark. It's the moral consequence of having sinned, which brings separation. That's that's what happens uh, in, in, a, in a, a romantic relationship between a couple where one partner cheats. Um, then there's an, a breaking in the relationship, a separation in the relationship that happens at least emotionally initially. The initial response to it is a separation that occurs. Um, and it, it doesn't have to end that way um, because God certainly it loves reconciliation uh, at any time that it is possible. But we it's a helpful analogy for us to understand how God views when we make mistakes, when we reject God, when we walk away from God, it causes separation. Um, and that is tragic because God is a source of love, hope, peace, and joy. Now, what does the word forgive mean from God's perspective if we were to summarize what we read in Scripture? Forgive, to remove the guilt resulting from wrongdoing. That is helpful, meaningful. We all need that. We all need grace. Uh, Restore the relationship, to give up resentment, to grant relief from payment for restitution. Wow. Um, Now listen, I know that as soon as we start talking about this, some of us have unexpressed anger, unresolved pain, hurt from the past that comes up and we don't want to listen to this. We, we don't want to think about this, but maybe it's because the Holy Spirit gently is leading you to a place of healing from the pain, freedom from its controlling influence on you. That's what God wants. He wants you to live life free and healed. And so that's why we're going to talk about it because I will tell you that people who knew me growing up in Portland, if you ask people who knew me really well, if you ask them about my life story, they will tell you it's forgiveness. I have been deeply hurt by other people um, at a level which um, others, outsiders, thought there's no way you could forgive the things that have been done against you, said against you. And I have also hurt other people. And so forgiveness is a huge part of how I can have any peace of mind and actually enjoy life. The word forgiveness is a commitment by the offended person to pardon graciously the repentant person from moral liability and to be reconciled to that person. Although not all consequences are necessarily eliminated. We get that from the Unpacking Forgiveness book. Now, obviously, these issues can be complex and they're not the same in every situation. And you need to have two people that are willing to look at reconciliation in order for reconciliation to occur. But in talking about forgiveness, let's just use maybe a helpful illustration to think about what does that really mean? How does that really work? So let's say, for example, that... um, I'm just going to make up a a person 
Ted the Rude. So let's say that Ted the Rude person has hurt me and hurt me seriously. Um, he broke my skateboard. He broke my guitar. He, he, he stole my watch and he gossiped about me. And so I'm hurt and I'm angry and I want to see uh, him punished because I can't get that guitar, that skateboard back. I want to see him punished. And so in a moral sense, what's happening is um, Ted the Rude is being held in a jail cell. And I am holding the key to that jail cell. I'm holding on to the right to see Ted the Rude punished. I'm holding on to my right to see Ted the Rude punished. And what happens is with forgiveness, when I realize that forgiveness is available through Jesus, and then I receive that forgiveness from Jesus, I'm instructed by God to forgive those who have done me wrong. And only with the help of God, not out of my own strength and not based on my feelings, I am called to make a decision of my will to let go of the key to the jail cell for Ted the Rude to be punished. I'm letting go of my right to see that person punished. Now, what God wants is to see that person repent, turn away, confess their wrongdoing, make it right, make things right in our relationship. But if that person doesn't, it's God who holds the right to punish them anyway. What I'm doing is I'm just making a decision of my will, not based on my feelings, to let go of my right to see them punished. In Celebrate Recovery, we talk about this in greater detail. And one of the analogies we get there is not letting go is kind of like if I were to be drinking poison, hoping that Ted the Rude would die. That's what resentment is. That's what it looks like. So I hope those illustrations are helpful to you. Please feel free to reach out, Rebecca and myself, or the other uh, dream teamers in the church in talking about this. So let's go just a little bit further. So God's forgiveness that really changes us is this commitment from God to pardon graciously those who repent. That's a When I repent, I'm choosing to change the way I think. I'm choosing to change the way I feel. I'm choosing to change my direction, walk away from my mistakes and my selfishness, and walk towards God, devote my life to God. So in God's forgiveness, he makes a commitment to pardon graciously those who repent and believe so that they are reconciled to him. And so we get this understanding of what repentance means, a turnaround in actions and attitude. And what we see in all the stories in the scriptures about it is that God's purpose is to remove the guilt and to restore the relationship. Now, here's how this happens. And here's what God is calling for in an apology. This is what you're saying in a kind of God honoring Jesus follower style apology. I'm saying to the person, let's say, uh, Ted the Rude is saying this to me for smashing my guitar, smashing my skateboard, right? This is what I did that was wrong. I broke your stuff. I stole your stuff. I gossiped about you. And this is the harm that it caused. You really love that guitar, that skateboard. You you were hurt by it emotionally, mentally, and it has dollar value. This is the harm that I caused. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done it. I make a commitment to never do it again. And in an apology, 
really what we're saying is with the help of God, I'm going to need God's help to follow this through on this commitment, but I do. I make a commitment to never do it again. Please forgive me. How can I make this right? Now that that is a necessary part of forgiveness. I know that these issues can be complicated and can be difficult. And Jesus knew that too. That's why in Matthew chapter 18, verses 15 through 35, Jesus gives us some really specific instructions on how we go about it. And he makes it very clear. There's no excuse for gossip. Don't do it. Go right to the person, talk it through, and at every step, winning the person back, reconciling the relationship is the purpose of this seeking forgiveness. And then, um, and we actually see more of that in this book, Unpacking Forgiveness in Chapter 9, How I Should Go About It. It's very detailed, it's very practical, it's very helpful. I recommend that. And I'll just lift a couple of quotes from it that also help us understand a little bit more what we're saying and what we're not saying. So when we uh, come to a place of forgiveness and reconciliation in a relationship, here's what we're saying. Um, And this is what I would say if I was choosing to forgive Ted the Rude, who, uh, and I apologize if your name is Ted, I was just picking one out of thin air. Actually, I know a guy named Ted and he's wonderful. Um, But Here's what I'm saying. If I'm going to forgive Ted the Rude for breaking my skateboard or my guitar and stealing my stuff, my watch, right? So here's what I'm saying when we come to a place of forgiveness. I will not dwell on this incident. Bring up this incident again and use it against you. I won't do that. I'm not going to talk to others about this incident. Let this incident stand between... I'm not going to let this incident stand between us or hinder our personal relationship. How is that possible? It's only possible when first I've received the forgiveness of God. Only when I understand that I deserved hell because of my sins. Jesus died so that I could be forgiven of my sin. God raised him to life as proof that it takes a miracle. Forgiveness takes a miracle. So it's not based on my feelings. It's based on a miracle that comes from God. That's the only way this is possible. Why would we do this? Ken Sandy in the book called The Peacemaker. By making and keeping these promises, you can tear down the walls that stand between you and your offender. You promise not to dwell on or brood over the problem or to punish by holding the person at a distance. You clear the way for your relationship to develop unhindered by memories of past wrongs. This is exactly what God does for us, and it is what he calls us to do for others. It's powerful and it's true. Let's dream about this for a second spiritually. If the whole world operated like this, how would it be different? Well, there certainly wouldn't be racism or sexism, homophobia. There certainly wouldn't be broken relationships and gossip at every turn. People would be acting differently. They would be living differently. Our world would be a much better place. Our world would be a much better place. And I think um, we need to take into consideration, too, that not everyone is going to respond. Um, if I go to Ted the Rude and I say, hey, this is what you did that was wrong. Can, can we make this right? They don't always respond the way that you would hope. And we get counsel from uh, Scripture about this. 
Um, and it includes two things in particular. We resolve to not take revenge on that person. I can still forgive them in my heart, even though they don't take steps of reconciliation or confess their wrong. Um, I can resolve that I'm not going to take revenge on them. That would be honoring Jesus. And I'm, I, I also make a decision to proactively show love and respect. Um, and again, those are things that don't sound possible, but only possible with the love of Jesus. Let's think about the simplicity of how Jesus calls his followers to live out their life. What does he say? Love God with the best of your energy and love your neighbor in the same way you take care of yourself. And he sets that story in a racialized culture and he says, you know, your neighbor. It's about compassion and realizing that the other person may be suffering. Uh, What Jesus also says is love your enemies. And it's that agape love word. It's not a... uh, affection word, not based on an emotion word. It's a decision of your will word. It's not based on the good qualities of the other person. Agape love is not based on that. Um, It is just this decision that you're going to love your enemies, you're going to show them respect, and you're going to do good to those who hate you. That's what Jesus calls us to do. It's interesting too, um, Jesus calls out our human nature in this He says, if you only love those who love you, why should you get credit for that? Even sinners love those who love them. See, Jesus calls us into respectful, caring relationships with people that are not easy to respect and care for. That's what Jesus calls us to do. And and, and if we're truly following him, that means we're being changed by him in a miraculous way. When we're changed by him in a miraculous way, only then this kind of stuff is possible. Peter definitely learned about this. And we talked in recent weeks about Peter's story. He says this, the Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he's being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed. He wants everyone to repent. God's heart is that everyone would recognize where they're wrong, confess it, um, seek forgiveness, do restitution, make it right. That's the heart of God. That's what he wants. And he's calling everyone to um, relationship with himself, a lifelong personal, wholehearted devotion relationship, and a compassion for their neighbors. And just imagine what a utopian society we would have if everyone was acting that way. That should give us motivation to share Jesus with as many people as possible. If we share Jesus with as many people as possible, our world can change. Because some people, they will respond to Jesus. They will be changed by his power. And then our world is truly going to be a better place. Hey, back on June 11th, I shared a message, Love and Reconciliation, where we talk about this a little bit further. So I know forgiveness, walking it out, uh, receiving it from God and being changed by it, that's huge. And then I also know that learning how to not give in to gossip, not hold on to resentment or bitterness, uh, the bait of Satan, not to fall for the trap of holding on to a right to see someone punished. I know that's difficult. That almost can sound impossible. Um, I also know that it is complicated and painful when we have unexpressed anger, when we have unresolved hurt, when we have things from our past that are painful. But here's what I know and believe. God is a miracle working God. God loves you. He cares about you. He wants to see your whole person come to healing 
He wants you to receive this healing and be able to walk in freedom. And he wants us to show loving respect for each other. He wants us to live in that kind of a world. And it's possible because of him. Let's pray. God, we need your help with this. It does not come easy. It is not something that we can do out of our own strength. Lord, help us to unearth, unpack where we've got this hurt from the past. Help us to know how to seek reconciliation. Help us to know how to walk out the steps of forgiveness. Lord, by first receiving your forgiveness from us, for us, by first making that change and asking for your help. Help us to every day ask for your help in this area of forgiveness. And Lord, we do ask that you would do miracles for every person listening to this, that they would walk through steps of forgiveness with people in their own lives, because we know in that way, our world can truly be a better place. We thank you that you are a miracle working God in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you so much for watching this. Please do feel free to share it with somebody that you know. Grace and peace to you. Have a great week.